what is the leader saying and doing and the leadership team saying and doing because that will give you the best insight. Culture ultimately comes from the very top and sort of becomes, you know, a bunch of, you know, certainly in, in, in our case at Zipline, it sort of becomes a, a version of mini me, right? Like, which is both exciting and terrifying for me because it's kind of like <laughs> all my all my strengths, but all my flaws cascade through the organization's culture. So generally speaking, if you about to join a startup, you know, certainly if you're thinking about joining Zipline, like if, if you're aligned to the leader, then that's probably like the quickest asset test. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like This show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. We are on, Mike, another ep of Startup Jobs coming at you hot. Uh, (laughs) What? (laughs) This is your first episode. No one, they're like, delete. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was almost about to squeeze in there like a, you know, please hit the follow button, please. I probably probably can't I don't think we've done that that once. Oh, it's in the outro. Certainly not not at the start, not at the top. Um, Anyway. I tell you what's scary is when I um I, I did a video of my toddler. Um, have you used cinematic video on iPhone? Cinematic, yeah. Oh, it does all the background stuff. No, it's I. I don't know if it's iPhone fourteen, but it, there's like a, a video mode called cinematic. Right. It's in crazy good, like the way that it does the focus and the background blur, and it oh. takes out all the shake. Oh. So, like, I'm at the playground with my uh, almost three year old and conducting a Hollywood shoot. It, it honestly looks like a Hollywood movie. Like, I can kind of she goes down the slide, and I like bring my hand down, and then I swing it around, and it's like full pan, and it takes out all the shake. Wow. Um. Anyways, like my favorite. Sorry, our toddler's favorite thing to watch are videos of herself when she was younger. She calls them baby videos. But the cinematic ones, particularly. Uh, yeah. And so I was. We were at the park and I was like, hey, I'll do a video. And then she's like, at the end of me recording, she goes in like this cute, like lispy toddler. She's like, and like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh. it's not like, don't like, oh. she wouldn't have said that full sentence. But obviously That's like, hilarious. like watching YouTube clips and yeah. stuff. She knows and even seeing happens. the older, her older, um, her older siblings watch YouTube clips. Wow. Like everyone just finishes with like and subscribe. So when I finish, like my three-year-old, like finishes me recording her saying Take like and subscribe. So what, so what you're saying is your your toddler's pretty much eighty percent of the way to my has job. more hustle than yeah. you. Yeah, 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 indeed. Take that. Um, so Mike, uh, uh, we are we are sort of um, beating around the bush here a bit, but it's good. Um, yes. One of my favourite things in life are fridge magnets, um, <laughs> and. It's it's just a, it's just a wonderful way to guerrilla market yourself into people's kitchens, right. um, and I think more modern businesses should do it. Imagine if Segment or Notion had a fridge magnet. You mm. know, that would be fascinating, right? Mm. Anyway, um, the good thing about fridge magnets is they stick on. <laughs> I'm really wondering where this is going. They they stick on in one direction. Yeah, but if if you turn them the other way, so the actual magnetic part is facing yeah. away from the fridge, they just fall off, right? They do. And the stronger the magnet. Oh, I see where you're going. You can't even actually put it together. It won't even let you, like those really strong magnets out of like a drone or a phone case or something. Yeah. You can't even 
touch them. Like you can sit there and try. There's no gap. There's no gap. It's right? like one. It's like the same thing. So, what I'm trying to say is the magic of magnets is that they're polarizing. Yes, in they the are. Sense that on one side the right magnet is incredibly attracted to it. Yes, but the wrong side is repelled, pushed away. Yeah, you put two magnets the opposite side. I think good marketing does that. Yes. To bring it back to the original piece around the fridge magnets, I think good marketing, good messaging Mm. propels the wrong customer Mm. and draws in the right customer. Mm. And I think what's magic about it is it's also applicable to hiring. Right. That's what we're talking about today. And what what you're going to tell us more about is how we think about being a polarizing company in the way we Yeah, I think we should become more polarizing, yeah. And it's not about, you know, being dickheads. It's not about you know, putting a stake in the ground and saying, you know, all this crazy, you know, stupid shit. Like it's actually... It's been clear about who we are. It's been clear about who we are in a way that brings the right person closer yep. and the wrong person further away. Yeah. Um, and we have something which you've prepared. Tell us mm. Tell us the 30-second version of... I don't know. I think I was doing this. some like uh, household chores on the weekend and then we're doing a bit of hiring at the moment and I was just thinking about like, who has historically been a really great fit here and who maybe has been competent but hasn't been a good fit for a range of reasons. And I came up with this phrase that just popped into my head, which was, we are not an everyone company. Mm. I think that's pretty polarizing. Um, Yeah. Because in a modern world, obviously, diversity, inclusion, being open to all is super important. Yeah. So by saying we're not an everyone company can make it sound like we're not inclusive. I'll get to... DNI in a second, yep. but I wrote that down in my little quotes that I make up, and I'm sure someone said it somewhere before. Um, and I just had that like in my head, and then I WhatsApped um, our head of people, um, Maddie, and I said I've got this thought in my head, and like it's we're not an everyone company. And as soon as I typed that sentence, she's like, "Oh yeah, like that, like that's interesting. What have you?" Then I was like, oh, I feel like I want to explain it a bit more. And so then I wrote again in a new WhatsApp, we are not an everyone company. And then I wrote, our goal is to be a fit for everyone. Uh, But instead our goal is, and then I just kept typing and kept typing and kept typing. And before you knew it, I'd probably written the longest WhatsApp (laughs) message I've ever written. A damn Um, essay. Sorry. A damn essay. Yeah, it's probably an essay. And... Look, it's not polished, it's not perfect, and you can go back to the recovering perfectionist episode. Uh, normally, I wouldn't ship this like in the world. I'd probably be okay for it to be a WhatsApp. But after sending it to Maddie, I was like, oh, that's like, that seems to click. Like, yeah. there seems to be the raw ingredients here that are pretty good. And so then I forwarded it to the leadership team. And um, I think you and I were chatting about something, you know, in the week, and we just hung out like, you know, uh, that day. And I forwarded it to you as well. Yeah. Um, and I've afforded to a few people just to see whether it would get the hell yeah, like whether it would resonate or whether people would just be like, oh, yeah, thanks for the, the rant, Mike, um, which I sometimes get. Um, and so I wanted to see, to your magnet point, was this sticking? Like, And look, I don't think it's the perfect articulation of Zipline. And look, this is unique for us. I think there are some core elements here that are for all startups. So I think yeah. you know, if you're listening to this and these things resonate, like probably being in a startup is going to be great for you. Yeah. But probably having a chat to us at Zipline is even better, right? right? Because if this resonates with you, then... And that's, and I think that's where we want to go with this. And um, yeah, it's kind of like, let's let's hash around this topic of we're not an everyone company. Yeah. 
Uh, so we're going to read it out. We're gonna Are you going to read it out? Yeah, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Uh, give a little spiel um, right. in your words, but um, I'll, yeah, I'll deliver it to folks with the passion you in probably your, would. in your beautiful eighteen-year-old radio <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, okay, we are not an everyone company. We are not an every magnet company. No. <laughs> um, I, I was adding that in. We're not an everyone company. Our goal isn't to be a good fit for everyone. Instead, our goal is to cultivate an environment where smart, ambitious, growth-minded, awesome people come together, form customer-focused teams that then do some of the best work in their life, where high performance grows and thrives. In this space, we welcome daunting challenges with open arms. We celebrate wins and applaud the outstanding work of our teammates. Here we experience intense growth, both in our craft but also in our personal lives. This is a place where we laugh but where there's always a shoulder to lean on during the tough moments. We hold each other and ourselves accountable to what we say we'll do. We push through to completion, even if it takes longer or is harder than initially expected. We quickly bounce back from setbacks, proving that we are far more resilient and resourceful than we ever thought possible. A place where relationships become lifelong. Our philosophy? Meritocracy. Not democracy or hierarchy. Here, people are recognised and rewarded based on their merit abilities, achievements, and quality of ideas, not who is the most senior or who is the loudest in the room. We believe in radical transparency. It's why we have no games or politics. It means we speak what's on our minds, proactively having candid and awkward conversations built on truth and in trust. We promote an extreme ownership mindset where we own our actions, our decisions, and their outcomes. Our North Star is clear. We are here to create a customer by building products that customers love and value. The fuel for this journey is curiosity, a detective mindset to understand customers' jobs to be done and pains to keep iterating our value prop. We're so passionate by this North Star, we don't tolerate problems in the way. We spot them and design plans to solve them at the root core level. This means we have to be effective. We know that effective work is hardcore. We see this concept of work as a big gooey blob which has a hardcore at the centre, surrounded by soft and easy stuff on the edges. That's why we strive to be effective, not just efficient. Hardcore is about aiming at the centre of that work and cracking it. We believe cracking those cores is best done quickly over many iterations. That's why we focus on work being cooked just right, learning and adapting on each iteration. And with all this talk of high-performance stuff, it doesn't give anyone a license to be an asshole. We believe high-performance and deep care at the human level can coexist. That's why we always search for the win-win with each person in this team. We ask, what's best for both Zipline and what's best for this human? because we're optimising for lifelong relationships, not just short-term results. At Zipline, we're building something special, and how we work is unique. It will be known as the birthplace of the Zipline Mafia, creating future startup founders, senior execs, and 10xer individual contributors. Zipline is not just a product, is not just a company, but a journey, an intense journey towards excellence, individual growth, 
customer impact and lifetime relationships. That's not for everyone and that's okay. But if the sound of this journey resonates, then come aboard. Welcome to Zipline. Your journey has just begun. It's pretty epic WhatsApp. Pretty epic WhatsApp. <laughs> Damn. Um, that's great, Mike. And it's a pleasure to read it out and, um, and ingest some of that. And it does certainly, for us, I think, induce a hell yeah. Mm. Um, but it's all right. You know, most folks listening to this aren't going to be here. They're, mm. they're going to be outside of this world. And you know, they might be you know, evaluating a lot of different companies. And I think the message that I, I, I really want us to explore today in mm. the remaining parts of this, this episode and chat is that beauty of not being an everyone company for the employees, mm. you know, for someone joining a not an everyone company. Yeah. Um, so I'm keen to, keen to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And I probably just want to start by saying, um, saying we're not an everyone company doesn't mean that we're like, Hey, we're only like bro culture or right. um, there's this sort of concept of the magic of and I think humans tend to have a very awe um, mindset and I'll, I'll give some examples of, of sort of, um, embracing the magic of and but I think this is where it's it's a magic of and you can not be in everyone company and still be 100% you know all in on diversity and inclusion from the perspective of you know background gender race religion or any other kind of minority type but we're not um, open for any kind of values we're not open for any kind of skill set we're not open to any kind of um, competencies or, you know, wants or desires like or mm. ambitions, like we, we have to be aligned on those things, right? And so I think that's what we're being pretty clear about here um, and that's why it's not for everyone. And if we have that kind of, you know, draft manifesto that you just read out yeah. and someone kind of feels a bit icky about some of the areas, um, good. Like that's probably a, a good signal that, maybe we aren't aligned at a values level, the right? Yeah, like we're pretty clear. Like, and I think my, my sense is that there's just a, there's a reversion to a meme that's very bland in organizations where yes. um, values and goals and missions and they all kind of just sound the same. Like, so, and you just sort of tune out from the shit now because you just tune out from the, like you, you're waiting on hold and you're like, we value your <laughs> like call, please. Like it, it literally means nothing. Like they're just nothing sentences and they're all just like nothing burgers because everyone's <laughs> trying to just appeal, appease to everyone, right? Now there is a place for that. Like there is a place where you do have to appeal to everyone, right? Like that's, you know, government, like law, like human rights, like that has to <laughs> appeal to everyone. So there, there are places where you should be in everyone you know, country as an example, or you right. should be in everyone um, can vote or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but like our analogy is probably more akin to the type of sports team that we're trying to build here. Um, and yeah. that's not going to be for everyone. Like you want to play, you know, casual weekend baseball um, and have a, you know, you know, have, have a drink while you're waiting for your turn to have a hit, um, <laughs> like drink a beer that is. Um like that's okay, but then that's not us. So like we're not an everyone team and, and, and I think the only way to get there is being clearer and clearer um, about what is our magnet and the clearer we are, the more that someone will go, holy shit, like that sounds like my dream company. That sounds like my dream team. And so when you yeah. go through the recruitment process with us, the you know like things should just be picking up momentum as opposed to oh this is just another generic set of values another generic set of like 
all saying all the nice things that sound like any other company. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like a bit of bit of background to you can be an, an, an a not an everyone company, but still be completely open for any type of um, you know uh, minority type coming in the door. What we're really screening for on both sides, and you should be screening for, is really around values like skills. Is this taking me where I want to go? Like, am I aligned to those things? Yeah, because you know. It sounds obvious, but at the end of the end of the day, those are the things that affect your ability to do good work, right? Not the minority you're from. You know, I think right. the, the the one angle here, which is interesting, and I I'd be keen to get your thoughts on, mm. is um, the benefits of diverse perspectives, right? Different, um, mm. you know, uh, lives, um, you know, different um, walks of life. Um, what's your sort of thoughts on that in this context, even mm. though? you know, you might have a certain set of people that are aligned on skills, values, attitudes, is having the backgrounds from different people and, mm. you know, different ways brains work, is that useful? Mm. I think this is the definition of meritocracy, right? So yeah. meritocracy is the best merit wins. Um, now, the, the best merit may come from someone who has the experience or the seniority before, potentially, mm-hmm. um, but it may not. And, you know, that's... That's okay. So I think this is where the answer is like, it depends. It's not like we're like, oh, let's hear from everyone. And like everyone has an equal say, you know, and then we're going to vote. Um, right. you know, that's making decisions by consensus. And that is a culture in a lot of organizations. Um, yeah. And that culture has a place. Um, and that's not our culture. <laughs> um, other cultures are the most senior person like always gets the strongest say. Bangs the chest and, yeah. Yeah, or the person with the loudest voice. Um, and I would say that that's probably the most common, you know, sort of outside of um, government and risk-adverse organisations, which, which tend to be more consensus-driven. Um, most organisations are probably like whoever's most senior and whoever's, most, whoever's loudest. And so I think by saying, hey, we're about meritocracy, then what really matters is not your senior position or your experience what matters is the merit of your idea or the merit of your suggestion or your merit of what you're putting forward now that means that you got to be good <laughs> like you don't just get like a you know a say uh at the table and get to throw around everything it doesn't mean that all opinions are equally weighted right there's this concept of you know ray dalio in, in the bible principles <laughs> um you know talks about believable people which is you know has this person done this thing in question before and are they good at it you know if so then you kind of get to upweight you know their perspectives and their views and for good reason um but that doesn't mean that you can't take in you know views from from other folks and i think that kind of like just real quick side note is like there's this this sort of concept of the magic of and um as opposed to or like yeah I've been thinking a lot about like um, this sort of concept of the dichotomy within leadership. And I think Mm. this dichotomy actually exists, you know, a lot within Zipline um, and a lot within a, you know, a startup, which is this sort of magic of and, and um, I sort of had this problem where like we embrace extreme ownership and um, all the, 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 the concepts around, um, you know, extreme ownership. And when something went wrong uh, in a couple of teams, like I put my hand up and went, Hey, it's my fault. Like I should have, spotted this kind of risk like I should have like thought about this and I then take on you know 
the ownership of you know which I think is good like I think it's good as a good as a, as a default but then the leader who was responsible for that thing like didn't get a chance to take mm. their accountability and kind of like own it and so then it was funny I had like this internal mm-hmm. accountability fight where um, I think it was Ivan came to me when like it actually you don't realize that I know what you're doing and it is nice that you want to kind of like jump in and you know take take the bullet but this is actually my bullet to take and I want to like feel the full pain and take the full accountability like you're kind of jumping in here and I was like well like my brain was like well how can I take accountability but also make them accountable like these two polar opposites and that made me think about like this dichotomy like so a good example of like just a couple of examples like and then we can kind of get back to you know not an everyone company because I think this is, a, this is a good example of some of these polarizing comments like have nuances so yeah. you know as a leader you need to both be very confident and also very humble now actually those two things <laughs> can can be quite different right like you need to have a lot of direct talk but then you also need to be very tactful you don't just get to be a douche because you've got to be like you know uh like you be hyper direct right um you have got to both have very you've got to think about like stability and like giving people safe place, but then you also have to like bust shit up and, and be creative. Like, you know, when mm. need be, um, you kind of have to um, take high levels of risk, um, but then you also have to be a bit paranoid and like be careful that, and so it's like these, these two tensions, you know, on a lot of these um, elements like is, is quite important. And so I think it's, it's the same on some of these topics we're talking about. Yeah. And one of the sort of meta points you're making there is often it's and not or. Yes. With those pieces. Yes, yes. correct. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's lots of different angles we can take here. Mm. Um, there's obviously some zipline specifics, but mm. I've got two different examples outside of our world, which I want to sort of throw your way, mm. one of which we've talked about before, um, and get your thoughts on it, mm. not only just to help stress our zipline way, you know, and, and our sort of manifesto, mm. as opposed to other companies, that's, that's one example I'll give, mm. but also what happens if that changes while you're at a company. Mm. Um, so the first example is from uh, Indistractable by Ner Eyal, um, listening to the podcast he did recently with Stephen Bartlett, um, Diary of a CEO, and he talks about uh, sort of an environment that is uh, indistractable, mm. a work environment, um, and actually went to Slack. Um, and, you know, obviously there, um, the, the sort of group communication platform, mm. um, but also went to their organization and their HQ and understood how they use Slack themselves. One of the policies is that you get reprimanded by using it outside of hours. Um, and one of the things they have in their office is a sign, big pink sign that says, work hard, go home. Right. And he mentioned that in the book and I thought it was an interesting example. Mm. Um, I wanted to firstly throw that to you and sort of say like, how does that fit in within the zipline way? Mm. You know, is it, um, you know, are we completely for, hey, rocking up for your nine to five or your eight till six, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and then being completely switched off. Are there times and mm. roles and situations where that's not the case? Um, firstly, just for our specifics here, how does, how does that fit against ours or fit with it? Mm. Let's start there. Mm. Um, so I want to peel the term zipline way uh, to one side for a moment because yes. uh, we've actually recently defined you know, what is unique about the zipline way and we yeah. should spend some time just touching on that. Yeah, I'm crossing lines um, potentially. No, that's okay, that. that's yeah. okay. Uh, um, and then sort of values and like what is it, what type of person, what kind of competencies does someone need, you know, to work well with our values and zipline ways. So I think we should spend a moment on that. Yeah. But I'll just put that over to the to the right-hand side for a moment. What's and then the I'll title ask, for this? What are we working, what's the, um, the way to describe this? 
what you're describing is, I suppose, like what is the culture around um, like actual work, you know, like an expect, I'd probably call it expectations, like, yeah. but that expectations is implicit in the culture. So, yeah. you know, culture is a catch-all phrase of this is how we do things here, yes. right? Um, and so there are some things that are, this is how we do things here at Zipline. Yeah. And we've done a pretty good job of codifying that like in the zipline way and in our values and our competencies, which I'll go through. The great thing with that when we do go through it is that that wasn't like some top-down thing or it wasn't Mm. me that sat in a cave and came up with like eight like wishful bullet points, which most leaders tend to do. And then people read them and go, oh, (laughs) that's nothing like our world. Um, We actually did a scoop up, not of our values. They have been defined, but hey, like what what, what makes our special source here? Like what is it that makes us unique? Um, and that kind of been put into the zipline way. So I'll touch on that. What you're asking about is uh, effectively expe- expectations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you were to join a basketball team and they have practice, like let's say it's a semi-professional or they're trying to be a professional, you know, basketball team. Yeah. Actually, let's make it professional. Like you're, you're playing for the, you know, your regional state city, not an NBA, but you yeah. know, um, and, you know, you get paid a salary to be to be a player. Um, they're going to have practice at, I don't know, I'll just make it up, like, you know, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, every day. And then you then have to go to a meeting from 3 to 5 and review film footage. And then, I don't know, every second, third day you meet with your sports psychologist and there's obviously the games and then there'll be some things that you have to do, like for media and, and what have you. Now, if you decide to come to the gym two hours before everyone is there and like practice on specific elements of your game. Um, well, that's kind of completely up to you. Right. Um, now is there a culture within the team that's setting that expectation? I don't know. Like maybe there might be some people in the team that are really like passionate about a certain thing and improving, I don't know, a defense move and the the three of them get there early, you know, to to work on that or stay after or driving from the inside. Yeah, exactly. Or they, they, They've, they've done the three hours of film footage and then four of them go out for dinner afterwards and then someone's got an idea and they go back through the film footage that night and take some notes. Um, so, you know, I think the same is... Now, that's very different. Um, but I was just say, that's the same as what I think, you know, happens at Zipline, right? Like people yeah. get passionate about, you know, certain areas and that may show up as um, effort or hours or work or activities of work you know, outside of the classic nine to five. Um, and I think that's okay. Um, and I think that's going to be normal when you're working with other ambitious people wanting to do like hard things. Mm. Now that's very different from it being imposed as a cultural expectation, like it would be if you went and got a job at an investment bank. So as an example, I can never think of a, a, um, a scenario other than maybe like one or two sort of like quasi crises we've had, like, you know, where there was an outage or something like that. So it's only happened once actually we had an outage. Um, like I cannot think of any expectations where join a meeting, reply to an email, reply to a message, you know, like uh, on the weekend, for example, like at Zipline, right? And there's no culture yeah. like of that. Um, and there's stuff that might come out over the weekend, you know, if you're, you know, shooting away at some thoughts or someone's pinged you. I think there's also the expectation that, hey, if you don't want to, you don't have to respond to that stuff if yes. it does come out, if someone is doing that. Yeah, I tend hour. to – and, you know, I've kind of like <clears> – I've personally f- flip-flopped a little bit, not not so much in a, in a bad flip-flop, but probably just evolved my view. Um, you know, at one point I was like, actually, do you know what? Like the company should 
not send messages at after 6 p.m. as an example. And I think we even tried um, and we encouraged that for, you know, six months, both within Slack and, and email and stuff. It just becomes a bit hard to, I mean, unless you enforce it at the actual, you know, back end. Um, yeah. It sort of becomes hard to like enforce. And what I would probably focus more on is, you know, how do you as an individual, like there's nothing saying you have to have Slack on your phone. Like you can just delete it. You can delete your Gmail app. Like yep. there's no expectation. Like if anything is going to be urgent or critical that we're going to need you for, like we'll call you, right? Yes. Like, oh, well, WhatsApp you and that should happen pretty rarely. So um, I'd, I'd pr- prefer it being managed at the, you know, at the node as opposed to like centrally. Um, yes, yeah, so that's sort of like, but in terms of like work expectations, yeah, I mean, like I, I'd, I'd like to think that I lead, by example, like I probably should have, you know, the busiest job or certainly the most demanding job in the company. And, you know, I clock off like religiously at 5.30 every single day. Like, and I'm, I'm here most days in the office and it is fucking religious. Like, you know. Yeah, it's like within within two minutes. Like, yeah. you know, I will not walk in, you know, uh, the door, you know, more than five 5.32. Now, to get a full day's, you know, work, I'm going to have to start earlier, you know, and there's some, some nights where, um, you know, I jump on, but look, I'm the CEO of a company. Like no one's yeah. meant to, like no one's going to have the burden on their shoulders like I do. Yeah. Um, but like I've set a clear rule, you know, home with the kids, there for dinner. Um, and then, you know, a handful of nights I may jump on, you know, at eight o'clock at night or I'd, I prefer to just get up earlier, right? Just get up at right. five, six a.m. And, 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 and get more out of my day. Um, but I suppose my point is, and you know, I don't host any meetings on the weekend. Um, you know, like I, I, I may be thinking about something. I may be reading a book. I may like, you know, shoot off a, an email or like, you know, synthesize some some thoughts. But I'm doing that without an expectation of anything coming back or any other work being done. You know, outside of those hours. So yeah, a bit of a long ramble. No. But you asked a important question around like work hours expectation, yeah. um, which is separate to culture. But like the the two, yeah. Uh, I mean, work expectation sits within this big umbrella term of culture. Yeah, and it's, I think the the sort of purpose I wanted to. I raised there or you someone that's raised there is like, Hey, here's one culture. I don't think we're like opposite ends of what Slack's doing with that principle. Right. But like finding the nuance is exactly what I think we're doing with this process more broadly. And uh, it was cool to kind of see that in real time. And I think what I'd prefer to focus on rather than hours, I just think hours is the wrong, it's, it's generally speaking the wrong mindset. It's a very pigeon version. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I'll give you an example, like across um, December, I decided to do this experiment I haven't actually shared it publicly, so I'm um, going out on a bit of a limb because this is not normal, um, you know, for a startup founder. It sounds a bit embarrassing, but I think I was even a bit, like, I don't know if embarrassed or ashamed's not the right word, but I was hesitant to talk about it publicly, and I'm about to talk about it publicly now, because I thought that people might view me as not as committed. Um, but, like, across um, December... Um, and January, I decided to like only <laughs> to knock off every day at 10 a.m. And I wanted to, because I, I, I wanted to run this experiment of like, can I, you know, be highly present across the family holidays, like with the family and the kids and still run a company. Um, and so I just ended up working 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Um, and so like I, I, I did a 20 hour week, right? Um, now I was, look, th- there were certain things that were harder for sure. But it wasn't like I was wildly more unproductive, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so hours, I don't think, is a measurement of focus. Like I, I had dinner with this startup founder um, last week and he said, some of the best people we hire are, um, uh, you know, mums where their kids have just started going back to school. 
um, like part-time work from home. They, you know, sort of manage support and, and customer success and things. And he said, because they are just so efficient with their right. time. Like right. there is, there are just so many constraints that it's like, there is no fucking around with this hour block. And so there's, that's, that's being efficient. So I think efficiency is important, but it, clearly what we talk a lot about, and it was in that little um, WhatsApp manifesto is being effective, right? So quite often in a day, there's probably only two to five like really important things that I need to do or put some brain power into, you know, I think. And I just think hours is the wrong, it's the wrong measurement. Like the, the most important measurement, it's that classic phrase of um, outcomes over output, you know. And so really like all we care about, Kai, is are you green on your KPIs, the two most important things that are in your job? Um, and are you green or do you have a good reason not for being green and a good plan on your, your, your key results? Like the most important things that we're trying to get done this quarter. And, you know, if you can turn those things green and, you know, well, you know, work, um, you know, who, I don't, we actually just don't care about the hours. So I think outcomes are, are, are far more, is a far more important way of thinking about it. Yeah. And that's actually a decision in the culture as well. Yes. Right. Yes. It's actually about some outcomes. Yep. Um, my second thought here, and then we'll, round, we'll land this plane, mm. is what if you're at a company where the culture changes? Mm. Right? You joined Twitter three years ago as a big company, mm. you know, who were, you know, really, you know, doing a lot of maintenance on a, on a, on a you know, quite a mature product, adding things here and there. Um, and then you have Elon Musk come in, <laughs> you know, cut half your teammates' jobs, <clears throat> and then you go into this mode where you don't, you know, weight and test and you know measure and a bit you, you just ship something to the whole user base mm. it's broken it's buggy but it's live mm. you know as an engineer that's like a whole different you know mindset shift you know if you're working in you know product or marketing there's a whole different energy to those teams no doubt um you've come in you've got new leadership or you've got a new manager you go into a new team the culture is different how do you navigate that mm. and then as someone looking to join a startup looking for a startup job, um, how should you think about that going mm. into a company? So I think like major change in the company's like values or culture probably only happens when there's a leadership change. Um, it, it, it'd be pretty rare. It'd be pretty rare for something significant to change. You know, it's zip line on the sales hit by a bus and there was a new leader, um, you know, or we got bought out and the company is like, quite dramatically different in values, you know, to us, or we weren't in control of our own destiny anymore. Mm. Um, you know, private equity firm bought us and then, you know, we would drive it in a different, you know, direction. Um, so I think it's pretty rare unless there's been some sort of event like that, you know, in your Twitter example was that, right? Like they got bought by a new owner and the new owner had um, a specific approach, like, culture and, and, and mind. And look, there were certain forcing functions as well. Like if yeah. those drastic changes didn't happen, you know, they were at risk of going bust, et cetera. Um, so I think that that would be pretty rare. Um, the sort of second part of the question is really like, I suppose, how to assess a company's, you know, values and culture uh, on the outside. Um, this one's tough because usually a lot of the values stuff on people's websites, like we spoke at the top of, you know, the conversation are pretty fluffy and, Very. you know, generic, etc. cetera. Um, I would skew towards what is the leader saying and doing and the leadership team saying and doing because that will give you the best insight. Culture ultimately comes from the very top and 
sort of becomes, you know, a bunch of, you know, certainly in, in, in our case at Zipline, um, sort of becomes a, a version of mini me, right? Like throughout, which, which is both exciting and terrifying for me because it's kind of like <laughs> all my, all my strengths, but all my flaws, um, cascade through the organization's culture. So generally speaking, if you, even if you, if, if you're about to join a startup, um, you know, certainly if you're thinking about joining Zipline, like, I like listen to what I've got to say, like, and if, if you're aligned to the leader, um, then that's probably like the, the quickest asset test. Um, and if you're not aligned to the leader, right? Like the, the Twitter example, like if you're seeing how Elon makes decisions on, on product and, and product culture and, you know, how he talked about being hardcore and all this kind of stuff, like if that gives you the ick, then you're probably not going to like the culture there, right? Um, yeah. And if you're like, hell yeah, well, then you'll probably like thrive, you know, Twitter now. There's no right or wrong. It's about finding the right sports team. Yep. Um, but to kind of <clears throat> assess the, oh, that, I should actually take that back. There are certain things that are right or wrong. <laughs> uh, clearly that's in, in the law. Right. And I think there's also things that are right or wrong from a human perspective, like, you know, the way that they did their firings as an example, like, you know, yep. could have been a lot more human. So, you know, I have a perspective on um, quote unquote right or wrong. So I'll just quickly edit that a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, one is the leader. Two, I mean, you should take a look at like the values and see have they actually spent some time evolving, thinking about it, um, articulating it clearly, or were they just sort of like seven generic bullet points that kind of haven't evolved? And so, if I think of like you know our values, actually a bit of an acid test. You don't have a laptop in front of Nothing. you either. So fuck, this is customer focus. Oh, I'm going to see like whether you know our values. Ambitious. Okay. Growth mindset, awesome to work with, no minor in your required, <laughs> and keep it simple. That's good. How good? Kagan with a kiss. Actually, we, we, we put kiss over into the uh, into the competencies now, if you haven't noticed. So oh, interesting. Just, straight just up, Kagan. Just straight up Kagan. Marty would be impressed. Yeah, it wasn't, it, it came out that way. I actually didn't work it backwards from Marty Kagan, but yes, the, um, what's it called when, it's not an acronym, but what's it called when, the fact that you can do the values with Kagan? Oh, is that that's a primary school thing? Remember not, when you take the acronym? first letter? Uh, no, nah, an acronym's like a short, like shortening something. Uh, Anyways, yes. Yeah, we'll so get back to you on that one. That folks. was <laughs> that, that, that was the hack. Like if you remember Kagan, you can yeah, yeah. probably hack your way to remembering our values. Yeah, but it, I would say that first of all, that is just insanely impressive with a fifty-person team. Like how many companies could you go to that have fifty? to 100 employees like we do yeah. and, and ask any one of them and go, what's our values? Like I reckon like from the gut, we would be 50% plus that would be able to do what you just did or they would get pretty close because we talk about it a lot and we yeah. bring it to life and these things, um, you know, are real for us. What I'm actually, and maybe we can end on this point, um, <coughs> what I'm actually more proud of is I, I reckon, I'm not going to do it now um, because it's probably not particularly interesting to someone listening to our podcast, but I could probably give you a good hearty, 30 second from the heart on each of those in more detail too. Well, do we have to go? Because I actually want to spend a moment talking about Zipline Way we and the Scoop Up and We don't have to go. We don't have to go. Um, right. but, but I think that's actually more important than kind of just like, oh, Kagan, uh, laundry list. Like it's actually, do you, have you personally ingested mm, these what values? What the values mean? Well, hey, well let, let's go there. Okay, so let's like, let's refine our values, right? right? So the first one, customer focus. Now this is the most, I was really hesitant to have customer focused as our first value. It is definitely the cliche saying of like, yeah, we, thank you. We care about your call. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I had th thought of like making it a little bit more unique. Um, you know, 
like customer outcomes or pain you know, obsessed. Sorry, customer pain obsessed. You know, yeah, or customer VPC obsession. Like, there's a whole bunch of things that we kind of uniquely do under the umbrella of customer focused. Um, but one of the things that I hear a lot when people join, like within the first month or two, is, oh, like customer focus is in our values, but this is what it really feels like. This is what it really looks like in a company, and it definitely. I grant you, if you've come to this part of the potty, like this is going to sound like a massive like pat on the back session, but I will also say where we've done shit and where we've grown and where we're still growing in areas. But I also want to like acknowledge where I think like we're pretty good. Yeah. Um, but okay, like riff, riff with me. You said you 30 seconds. You reckon you can- Let's go back. Explain back why back. you think, yeah, customer focus is alive and sort of how it shows up. Yeah. I think there's, there's lots of different ways to cut- the role of a company. Mm. Um, we certainly subscribe. My understanding is, you know, we subscribe to the viewpoint of we're here to create a customer. Yep. Right. Um, and create products that they love and value all that. So we, we don't necessarily have uh, an eye off our wonderful investors and, you know, our employees and all those kind of folks. But, you know, we understand that we're here to be customer, you know, focused from what we're doing as a company full stop. Yep. And then we're not here I think, and this this is probably the way that I think about this most as a customer success manager, we really pay attention, go out of our way to pay attention to what matters in our customers' lives. Mm-hmm. There's companies that kind of have, you know, a vision of the world and kind of just go out to to find a market for that solution. Right. We really go and find a, 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 you know, a market and a problem and then build for them. Mm. Um, and I think fundamentally that is what customer focused means to me. Mm. I like it. I like it. Yeah, for us, like, good examples of customer focus is, like, you're deeply curious about what the customer's doing. Like, what, like you're in your just having a coffee break and you're like, oh, I might just log into the product analytics. Like, what features are getting used or not? Or, oh, I might just, like, click around in our CRM. Like, what's, like, happening with our customers and why are they doing certain things or saying certain things or not doing certain things? So I think that, that curiosity, um, you know, for some people, like just getting a real kick out of delighting customers, um, whether that be in the product or the engagement or yeah. like, you know, just gives you a kick better than buzz better than anything else, right? Like finishing a session or getting an email from someone afterwards going, hey, that was really awesome. Or, hey, like out of all the vendors that we work with, you guys are like our favorite tech vendor. Like hearing that, like almost matters more than anything else in my week, right? Like right. that is, fuck yeah, like I get a kick out of that. Um, and then I think when we drift from it, sort of having this, what I call craving for a visceral connection to their world. Like if I ever feel like I've drifted from not really understanding, we talk a lot about pains and jobs to be done within the the value prop canvas, like all jargons that we'll talk about in a separate episode. Um, But it basically just describes pretty well what's going on in this customer in this market. What do they care about? Um, Which then means that we now we need to shape up our offerings and our approaches, you know, to match that. So I think they're all examples of, this sort of obsession around like the customer, um, you know, and the personas and what is it that they care about. And then like really getting a kick out of like delivering value to that and, you know, delivering a product and delivering a service where, you know, they love it. Like in my opinion, there's almost no better feeling, right? Like my brother is, um, has, has a building company and, like he drives past somewhere and goes like, I built that, <laughs> you know, and he gets this kick still out of like that thing didn't exist in the world if it wasn't for me. And they're really happy there. Right. And it's yeah. the same, you know, when you build software products and when you engage with customers. So yeah, for me, that's that, that what, that's what 
customer you know focus is about should we keep going yeah go on ambitious so ambitious is probably the most um controversial one of our values and i love it i love saying a core value is ambitious and if you're not ambitious then zipline's not a a, a a good spot for you now most people think ambitious can think in the negative like i'm going to stomp on people and take over the world you know to make more money to get a better job title or like there's all these like potential and they that can exist with ambitious people for sure yeah i'm interested in how do you think about the value ambitious well some people want to go and work for a 30 percent year-on-year fast-growing company but and this may be the same person an ambitious person wants to go and work at a company where they can be a 30% year-on-year growing human mm. or more, 50%, right? 100%, 50%, 100%, whatever the number is, yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. They want to be someone who is continually spiralling up um, to use that, that language. What's, what's spiralling up mean? That's a, that's a zip line of euphemism as well. It may look like you're going around in circles. Doing the same thing each week. Doing the same thing. Each quarter, each planning cycle. But you're heading in, month. In, a, in a sort of Z-axis, sort of vertical direction. Oh, it's like one of those car park circles. Correct. Imagine that. That's that's what you want to do here. It feels like point. I'm doing the same thing each week, each month. Suddenly you're at the top of the damn car park. You look back and you go, fuck, I'm four levels up. And you look to the right and there's another 10-story car park to go. Um, <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's kind of the magic as well. We use another phrase, S-curve, mm. you know, constantly going on this really, really aggressive ramp, slow at the start really, you know, intense in the middle mm. and kind of plateauing at the top. But before you even get to that plateau, the top you're on the next mastery. S-curve. Yeah, you want to get yeah, the sweet spots in the middle of that S-curve. Yeah, and you don't necessarily want to come here and do a couple of those and then hang tight for a year. Um, I think the ambition is is the constant need <clears throat> to keep doing that That's from, great. from an internal engine. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so like when I think about ambitious, I really see it as I have a deep in a drive for huge growth. Yeah. Like I want to get better in my career. Sure. Like I want to be three levels above. That's fine. That's ambitious. It may not be like, it may be, I want to be the best damn like engineer I can be. And I don't really need to, or want to, or have a desire to be a, a team manager. And, but then like, but I want to be a principal engineer. Like I want to be incredibly good at my craft here. Um, and so my ambition is to get a lot better taking on like much com- more complex projects and I'm not talking like incremental like I'm talking like like I'm really getting a kick and I've got a drive for you know big career growth personal growth and skills growth I think you know I'd put them in those three because the personal growth is important like the mental resilience stuff you know like all the things that we talk about like I need to be a better communicator I need to be a better listener like all this stuff also is where we're a whole holistic human right like I'm not a different Michael when I go um, like home the things that I do are different at home but I'm like still the same you know human um, I think I would probably like just like summarize ambitious as we're the type of people where if someone like we're standing at the base of Mount Everest and pointed halfway up and was like, I just try to go there tomorrow. Like people turn and look at each other and kind of a bit shit scared and go, that's a little bit crazy, but hell yeah, let's, let's go. Let's give that a go. And so I think being energized by big, hard goals, um, sometimes just for the sake of taking on hard goals. Um, but it could also just be like what this means to me, like what it means for my you know, career and my personal growth, but also what it means for the impact that it's going to have in the world. Like we've got, like we've got a really hard situation with something happening, you know, um, uh, with a couple of our customers. We haven't quite figured it out. I'm on that team to like figure it out. That's really hard. 
But man, like if we crack that, the impact's going to be huge. Like I'm super motivated by that. Like that is all part of ambitious and ambition. <laughs> um, and it requires that, you know, being courageous and being confident, you know, in backing yourself, even if you've got the uncertainty, even if you've got the VUCA yeah. uh, and the doubt, you're kind of like, do you know what? Like I back myself, fuck it. Like let's go, let's go to that point in the mountain. Let's go guys. Magic. Now, to me, growth mindset. We'll we'll get through these. Um, yeah, maybe we'll speed it up. Huh? Yeah, but um, but I think this is this is cool. Mm. Um, growth mindset. It's a catchphrase. It, it is. Did become a buzz buzzword for a while. I actually first came across it in a year nine English class. Interesting. The growth mindset concept. I had a lamination of fixed and growth mindset. Oh, interesting. Which they gave us as bookmarks. I found it the other day moving out of my house. Oh yeah. Um, that's not where I'm going to take my answer <laughs> from though. <laughs> growth mindset is being a full time gem hunter. Mm. That's and a gem. What I mean by that is leaning into the opportunities which are hard, messy, where you'll probably half the time fail, if not more, mm. seeking the thing that pops out the bottom of the vending machine mm. of those 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 sort of hurt locker experiences, which is, hey, here's what you learn. And the next time you're doing these things or when you're sort of setting yourself on that big mountain, it's like, hey, like I don't necessarily know how to get there yet. Mm. Um, that magic word of yet. Magic in the, there's power in the, the word yet. What's your take? Um, I mean, it's a growth mindset is a whole thing. Like for sure, want to do a whole episode uh, on growth mindset. Um, I also came across this uh, concept, actually when Carol Dweck came out with her book, but like it really came to life actually when my eldest daughter was in year, I think one or year two, and there was a big movement in the schools uh, around growth mindset, which is great. Um, and I'll just show you some of the, the artwork they did in oh, wow. the class. There's like, they did this thing as a class going, this is the learning pit and said like, imagine a big valley wow. and someone's going, yeah, like it's going to be so fun doing this hard thing. And then they slide down and they're like, oh, this is actually getting pretty tough. And they're down the bottom. I now need a problem solve. This is really hard. I don't know how to do this yet. You know, I'm no good at maths yet and then mustering up to go do you know what? i'm going to get a lot stronger a lot better and then kind of going up the learning pit and they had all these like posters like wow. challenges or opportunity for growth you know i can control like basically focus on what you control i'm going to work hard until i improve you know things are difficult before they get easy um you know effort is, is the awesome. key to success um like these are all the posters that these year twos did um and uh like yeah Plan A didn't work. Good. There's 25 more letters in the <laughs> alphabet. Um, you know, I'm no good at maths yet. I'm going to train my brain to get better at maths. Um, and like this type of mindset obviously is like really, really critical like in a startup because you're going to have constant setbacks. You're going to have constant um, failures. And so really what growth mindset is about is um, putting putting the focus back on your effort and putting the focus on the things that you can control, knowing that you get good at things through like um, skills, right? Like you can develop these skills. Actually a really good example is where we started this episode, that little like WhatsApp manifesto. Like when you read it out, I was like, that's actually written pretty well. Like it's pretty clean. It's pretty crisp. I didn't run that through GPT. Like I wrote that myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And honestly, there's no way in hell I would have been able to write that well five years ago. Uh, It would have been a like, mess now i put a lot of effort like rather than just going oh i'm really strong verbally and i prefer you know being in meetings and i hate writing and you know like i really just like threw my growth mindset at it and when i've heard so many good things about 
learning how to write well, clarify, use it to clarify your thinking. And so I'm like, I'm not good at writing yet. Um, and I'm just going to put effort, you know, into writing. And I've committed to journaling regularly. I committed to sending a weekly CEO email. I committed to, you know, writing better board packs. I, like I just really focused on, I was like, do you know what? I, this is a skill. I can get better at this. And I think it's the same, you know, around being a leader, you know, or I'm not a good listener or I'm not like good at managing my time or, you know, I'm not good in these scenarios or like, you know, I, I don't know how to handle this like tricky situation. Um, and so I think using the growth mindset is, is, is embracing that kind of, that pain that comes from trying, it's like if you're trying to learn piano for the first time, man, like that initial, like you're clumsy as all hell. Like there's nothing enjoyable about learning piano, right? Yeah. Um, then you get into this sweet spot where it's like, oh, I, like you talked about the S curve, like, okay, we're going up. But this is all kind of part of the, the hurt locker. And I know that this, growth and comfort can't exist can't coexist and i've got to use this pain and then reflect and you know get better this is all this all swirls around under this topic of growth mindset magic um i'm going to swing through the last two it's definitely not a short potty episode here but like good lord if we're going to talk about what's unique about zipline you're going to get me off to the races kai yeah I think and I, we'll be chatting for a while i think i think we're, we're here and we're covering a lot of great ground under mm. this sort of umbrella awesome to work with is fundamentally the the recognition that you're working with other humans mm. in the company and you can do really hard work, you know, in the context of that VUCA hurt locker environment, yep. heading towards really ambitious goals and not be a dickhead. Yes. And, and you can actually look out for other people and, hey, you know, Johnny, I know that you've been sort of working on X, Y, Z and that's probably quite a lot for you to, you know, be picking up this week. Like, can I help out with some of that? Yeah. You know, I've got some slack this week. Um, yeah. It's just generally that sort of oil <coughs> oil on the sort of um, gears when working with other people. Yeah. Um, and then quickly, no mind, nine, no mind reading required. AKA radical transparency. Yeah, is, is, is exactly just that. Hey, you know, you don't have to you know, read the tea leaves or kind of read between the lines to use a couple of cliches here um, to understand what I'm trying to say. Mm. You know, it's it's not even just pyramid principles. It's actually no. just like, I'm going to say something to you, which maybe in another company I wouldn't have even said in any form. Yeah, wouldn't even dare to challenge. I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to challenge the CEO on or the, right. the, 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 the CPO on. You know, that, yep. that, wouldn't, that wouldn't happen, but um, here it can. Yes. Um, any quick thoughts from anyone either? Is that a timer to say, get going, Kai? In a couple of minutes, it is, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, like, awesome to work with things, just like a really great counterweight balance to a customer focus, ambitious and growth mindset because you can do those and be either a lone wolf or you can kind of drift into potential assholiness, right? Um, yep. Particularly with no um, mind reading requirements, I get to say what I want. So yeah, being awesome to work with, you know, really is just like the stuff where it's like when Johnny or when Jenny comes to this meeting, like, it's going to be great. Like this person's positive, fun to work with. Yes. You know, I feel comfortable being around them. They actually deliver the goods. Like they're dependable. They don't drop balls. Um, and they invest in like, you know, lifelong relationships. Like knowing that, hey, even if we work together for two years, you know, um, like you're the type of person that I will want to reach out to and have a coffee with, maybe even in 10 years time to yeah. like, you know, check in. And so I think um, – Awesome to work with is really important for us, you know, during the hiring process. Like, yes, you have to have the skills. Yes, you have to have the competencies. But like, you know, this values test, because um, you're going to add someone to the team, right? And it only adds one fly to an, to an ointment for it not to work. And, you know, if you think of all the previous teams that you've worked in, you know, if there's just one in that team um, 
that just really has a bad attitude or like drags some stuff down or whatever it may be. Like it's really just enough to, to, to throw it out. Right. So, you know, kind of rough around the edge personalities, like, you know, that's not cool. Um, from that perspective, no mind reading required. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really around about that, like radical transparency and like a big thing for us is it's, it's kind of easy to say, and people see a lot of it tops down, you know, it might even quite often scare people like our company updates are like whoa like we just talked about that challenge like that whoa like you talked about why that person left and you gave the real reason like it whoa like that's where like our finances are at and that's what's happening like it can be a bit confronting but that's what you sent to the board (laughs) yeah like yeah here's our exact board pre-read paper but we believe that if we put this stuff out in the open you know a couple of great things are going to happen you get to both challenge my kind of thinking, but also help sharpen it. Like, what if we're missing things? Like, what if we're living in our own little, like, you know, uh, la-la bubble, you know? Um, and then you then have the right to be able to, you know, candidly speak what's on your mind. Now, there's a couple of really important things with radical transparency because it's almost like, um, it's like me giving you a uh, giving you a circular saw, <laughs> you know, like it's ex- extremely powerful. Yes. But it does need some safety guards and you kind of need some training <laughs> yep. to get good at it as well. And if you haven't used this thing before, you know, you're going to need some, some practice and some training. And I think that the first one is like being comfortable in having awkward conversations and sort of mastering conflict. Like if I've got to say to you, hey, Kyle, like you're kind of dropping the ball here, that's not like a natural thing that people have built up Um often even before coming to zipline so we you know we we spend some time you know training and supporting people as to how to have these like awkward conversations and you know there are a bunch of frameworks that we use um but like ultimately we don't just do this no mind reading required um and radical transparency to just shoot off our mouth to say whatever we want like it's here because we want to get the best out of each other right like it's like kai i really care about you i want you to be the best that you can be and like I really want us to hit our goals like here as a team. Like I'm a bit worried about X or like maybe we should do Y or like this is why we made this like choice. And so I think when you put these things more out in the open, um, some magical things happen. Just no politics like happens. Like people don't play games because there's no like power of information that sits anywhere. Like pretty much like everything is shared except for like people's salaries and maybe some sensitive things that are, you know, happening in a week or two. But then within a week or two, like everything is out in the open. Yeah. And I'm probably most proud of this recently because I went to the team uh, and we sent out a form saying, hey, uh, this is the question I sent to everyone. Hey, reflecting on how we work at Zipline, in your own words, raw, unstructured, even unpolished is fine. What comes to mind about what makes us unique? And we got like very detailed responses from every single person and we made it a bit like an Australian vote. Everyone had to put their thing in. And then I I sent it to GPT and just threw in the raw notes and said, hey, GPT, like summarise the 10 top themes. So this is not what I think is unique about us. Like this is what the people (laughs) said, right? And this then, we then reflected on this relative to our values and what we do in market. And then we summarize it the zipline way. But I'll just quickly give you the GPT summary and then I'll give you the zipline way. So GPT top 10 things that make zipline unique. One, uh, strong customer focus, understanding customers' unique problems and then um, working towards solving them, highly collaborative environment, um, regularly working cross-functionally to hit goals and creative problem-solving. Three, fast-paced stands out. Um, Four, radical transparency. Five, 
a very supportive and positive uh, culture. Uh, six, an emphasis on learning and development, um, nurturing employees' growth. Uh, seven, empathetic leadership. Um, leaders stand out for their genuine empathy, um, listening to employees' concerns and creating an atmosphere of growth. Nine, openness to change and pivoting, um, embracing change with enthusiasm, and 10, uh, embracing challenges uh, and resilience. That was GPT's exact words, top 10 weighted uh, of what you know people said. So we took that, we thought about like how we work, we thought about our values, and we thought about how can we take something that's customer-facing um, you know, as to our secret source. Like how is it that we can go from you know, knowing nothing about um, you know, a certain problem or a segment to like quickly develop a brand new product and take it to market within six months. Like that is, that is not normal. That is not, uh, that, that's special. That's part of, you know, what we've created here as just one example. And so there's really six things that sit in a flywheel. Like one is we start by deeply understanding like our customers, really having an empathetic detective mindset, you know, what's their pains, what's their job to be done, what's going on here. Two, we then rapidly work with these customers and these personas to, to co-design solutions. We don't go off in a cave and then build yep. a bunch of software and code it up. Um, and then we're, we're showing prototypes, often within you know days. And then we really focus a lot, three, on obsessing about it being easy to use. Like ultimately, we are a software company. If we're building products, like it should come with no training manual. It should, no training should be required. You know, people who are, you know, well into their 70s and 80s should be able to even use the product um, without any kind of training and if they've got lower digital fluency. And that's super important because you want to get usage in the product. Four, we've got to move at the speed of zipline. Uh, so we've got to have our processes and our capabilities to move quickly. Five, a lot of the work that we do needs to be cross-functional. You can't have people in silos. So we often have an account manager working with design, working with an engineer, working with product, um, you know, to get those customer outcomes in, in regular team um, huddles. Like, you know, we'll quickly form cross-functional teams and disband them to get a particular outcome as opposed to, oh, the sales team only meet together, you know, to do sales stuff. Like we have a lot of um, what we call X teams, cross-functional teams. Um they get created and disbanded. And then six, we aim to be our customer's best partner. You know, I came out of a customer meeting the other day and said, who are your three top partners? They actually didn't name us. He hadn't worked that closely with us uh, yet. Uh, and I said, my goal is we're going to do these things. And my goal is that we're in your top three and then you're number one, you know, within a year or two. Uh, thankfully, we often hear like, hey, who are your best partners you should work with? And, you know, they often, you know, say zipline. And so we're really focusing on 10-year relationships with our customers as opposed to squeezing an extra dollar out of them in the short term. Um, but we really want to uh, be great partners for the long term. So those six things, you know, is what's unique about how we show up in market. So maybe just recapping, we're not an everyone company. We're clear about that and we're okay with that. How to assess that? We gave some some tips around that. Uh, we also even talked about the type of culture and what it means in terms of work environment and it's about outcomes, not output. Then we really riffed on our values and spent yeah. quite a bit of time on our values, which then finished with um, how we work internally and what we think is our you know secret source and our special source, which we're now sharing publicly. Not so secret anymore. Uh, it's pretty pretty fucking hard to do these six things. So um, more than happy to talk about it. But these six things really you know is what creates the impact in the world. And you know for for these reasons, if this resonates with you, then um, you know definitely reach out to Kai. Yeah. And you know if we don't have an opportunity for you, you know we can shoot you to like-minded companies and like-minded founders. Um, and you know as we think about finding a a great 
great startup job to be in. Um, yeah, this this podcast should really give you a good insight into, oh, that's what ZipLine's about. And again, if it's not us, then we can point you in the right direction. Yeah, the final final thought for me, and, and mm. you know, it's a it's a great app and something that I think we'll be able to to reference a lot, even in here internally. Yes. Um, the magic of 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 a very polarizing magnet. Yes. Um, and a very polarizing Ooh, company. Go, go full three sixty where we started. Is that you? You actually feel much more connected to it than going and working at a company that's that's operating in the mean, yeah, in the average. So whether it's Zipline, great, you've got a good sense of how the magnet's polarized here today. Yeah, but in principle, when you're looking for a startup job, go and find the place where you're you're pulled, right? And be when, pushed, be pulled. Like oh, that's the way to work. When you're and when you're passionate about it, then it doesn't even feel like work. That's why that's why I actually hate the whole kind of like hours conversation because like i just don't feel like i work you know like if a hundred million dollars fell from the sky tomorrow like i'd still keep doing exactly what i'm doing right now like i'm playing the best computer game of my life like like with amazing people solving hard challenges and so i think um you know as cliche as these things sound like yeah you're you're absolutely right like if you find an organization where the magnet is so strong and the values align to you then yeah it's like whatever sport you're most passionate about with people that completely align to your values, like with your goal of like winning a championship and everyone's coming together, like then it's not like some sort of work, like analyzing your game to try to improve that thing to win a championship. It's just like what you're passionate about and what you're great at and what you're getting better at aligns to other people that are like that creating impact in the world. You know, this is like, this is the shit. Yeah. With that, see you next time. Woo! Hey, thanks so much for listening to Startup Jobs. Uh, If something resonated with you in today's episode, please spread the love uh, and share it with someone in your network who might get something from it. Um, And while you're there, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Really helps us out in spreading the show, uh, getting it into the ears of new people uh, wanting to get into startup jobs. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.